Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to be happier. This week we'll talk about why you might benefit from seeking out silence. And Elizabeth and I will reminisce about a happiness hack used by our parents. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Elizabeth has changed in many ways, but she has yet to adopt the metric system. <laughs> That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, thank you for bringing up once again my my cryptic <laughs> high school yearbook quote that we discussed in episode 74. Yeah, I, I've got the biggest kick out of that. I can't stop thinking about well. it. <laughs> Um, so Elizabeth, we got a great listener email that I, I thought that we should share, um, because we had talked about the strategy of pairing and how pairing can be a really powerful way to change habits. Um, you do one thing with something else, like you only watch Real Housewives when you're on the treadmill. That's one of your pairings. Um, and this was one from Kristen. Yes. I love this. Um, she had an unpairing idea. Yes. So Kristen writes, uh, you and Elizabeth talked about the strategy of pairing, and I'm glad it's been effective for both of you. Your example of using the strategy for the gym reminded me of one way that it could actually get in the way of forming habit, especially for women. Lots of women I know insist that if they work out, they need to wash their hair. They pair the two activities. More often than not, this becomes an excuse not to work out. Lots of my friends have said to me, oh, I wanted to go to the gym, but I just didn't have time to wash my hair, so I had to skip it today. The reality is that if somebody wants to make regular fitness a goal, those two activities can't really be permanently paired. My hair is super long, so I know how long it takes to wash and style longer hair, but working out regularly is my goal, so dry shampoo and updos have become my best friends on no-wash days. Too often I've seen my friends trap themselves by using good hygiene as an excuse for poor fitness, so maybe it's worth it to consider actively unpairing some activities. Interesting. This is so true. I mean, I for sure am someone who if I have spent time on my hair and like, then I do not want to sweat because I do not want to have to wash my hair again. A hundred percent. I do this all the time. But see, here's the thing. I think that you can keep in mind that will help unpair this because to her point and to your point. This idea that you have to be sweating or it's not real exercise is not true. There are many forms of exercise that you can do where you do not sweat. And for instance, you and I just both do high-intensity weight training. Yes. I don't sweat during that. No, but that's one thing I like about it, yeah. Yeah, no, that's one of the huge things about it. You can have your makeup done. And even if you did sweat, you could, like, give your, like, you could just, like, wipe out your, your, you know, under your arms. It's not like, there's not, like, sweat on your scalp or something like that. And some somebody said to me, well... You know, if you're not sweating, it's not a real workout. And I'm like, I challenge you. Go do this for 20 minutes and then come to me and tell me whether you think you've had a wor- real workout. Because, yes, high-intensity strength training, there's no sweat, but it is definitely a real workout. And I think to her point, it's like, just deal with the sweat, though. I mean, you yeah. know, what she's saying is dry shampoo, yes. put your hair in yeah. a ponytail, and just get out of your mind that if there's yeah. any sweat in your hair, you <laughs> cannot move forward with your day. So 
Um, I, but I think a lot of people do do this and there's probably, she's right. There's probably other things people have paired together that should be unpaired. Right. Like if I can't work for two hours, there's no point in sitting down and working on a draft. I think a lot of writers have that, that if I don't have a minimum, like a certain amount of time that it's not even worth it. Um, yeah. So I think that the lesson from what she's saying is like really challenge yourself that one thing means that something else that they have to happen together, whether, and it depends on your hair. It depends on your hair challenge. It depends on your exercise, whatever it is. But just to say, how do I work with this situation so that these two things do not have to be paired together? I think that's a really, really good idea. All right, Gretch. This week, uh, what is our try this at home? So this week it is to seek out silence because I'm not sure if everyone craves silence, but definitely many people crave silence. And it feels like this is really hard to get now. Like, it just seems like there's stuff coming at you wherever you go. Um, and you don't get that silence necessarily if you feel the need for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Moby mentioned this, Gretchen, when we um, talked to him. Yeah. Uh, he, his, one of his try this at home tip was to go into nature. And he made a point of saying, and when you're in nature, don't listen to anything. Don't listen to music. Don't listen to podcasts. Just be silent. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting point he made. And it goes to what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Now, I hate to discourage people from listening to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think sometimes it's more important to just be alone with your own thoughts and to have silence and not have to feel like something's coming at you all the time. Um, I've realized this about myself because I have this urge to sort of be productive all the time. And like, uh, and, and you know, I can multitask. I can be in the shower and be listening to the radio or I could be listening to a podcast while I'm walking. But I realize sometimes like I just need total silence. And now I embrace that as its own need. It's not silence isn't just something to be filled. Um, it's its own thing. It's funny, because I always think that I don't want silence. Like if I'm alone in a hotel room, I'll 100% plan to sleep, to, I'll plan to sleep with the TV on the whole night, because I love sleeping with the TV on and Adam doesn't. <laughs> but what I have noticed is that if I, until I turn off the TV, like at two in the morning or something, like I'll groggily turn it off, then I, that's when I am much more calm and peaceful. So actually the silence is good for me, but I just never want the silence. But then when I have it, I like it. So it's interesting. Well, one thing is like, do you drive a car in silence? I think most people turn you know they snap on something to listen to or like take a shower in silence a lot of times people are like oh i have such great ideas in the shower but if you're listening to something or you know you might not have your great idea because you're being distracted with something else that's captured your attention yeah it's funny um gretch just reminds me like the ideas in the shower which definitely i usually have my best ideas in the shower but also a thing um that happens in my work is, so, you know, we have the writer's room, which is just a lot of people <laughs> yammering constantly. Um, and what happens is whenever we're stuck on something, usually if someone gets up and goes to the bathroom, they come back with an idea. Um, <laughs> I, and it's this phenomenon. I mean, it's like and people even be like, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom and maybe I'll come back with an idea. And everyone expects people to come back from the bathroom with ideas. I think it's because they leave 
all that talking and noise in the writer's room and they're just alone, you know, with their thoughts for a few moments and something <laughs> rises to the surface. You know, it's a real, um, it's a real trick we use. I mean, I've never been in a writer's room where this was not the case. That is hilarious. So it's sort of like the, it's like the getting your great ideas in the shower. It's like you get your great ideas like on the way to the bathroom, you know? Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. that's or hilarious. going to the bathroom. <laughs> yes, it's <quite> yeah. funny. <laughs> Um, well, a friend of mine, that reminds me, a friend of mine, uh, she said, her husband said, like, why do you take such long showers? And she said, it's the only place where nobody talks to me. So she was uh, taking, like, 20, 30-minute showers. That's funny. That would be very frowned upon in L.A. where we have a drought. Oh, right. But, yes, a long shower is a good way to seek out some silence. Um, and, you know, Gretch, right now, like, everyone is so affected by the news. Like, it's kind of all anyone's talking about is how much bad news we've had. And I think a good, you know, a good thing to do in response to that is having some silence. Just, like, being away from that, not having that input can just sort of ground you again and get you back to neutral. Yeah, it's not that you're going to cut yourself off from civic discourse or, you know, knowing what's going on, but just to take a break, to have that silence. It can be very restorative um, to feel like yeah. you're you're just sort of getting it because it's not just a nothing. It's a thing unto itself. It's it's uh, and I realized, too, that this is one of the things about a dog. You know, when I had my debate, should we get a dog? Should we not get a dog? One of the things I didn't realize was going to be so pleasant about having a dog was that is the just the silent company. Mm. You know, you have a presence with you, a friendly presence. So you have company, but you don't have to talk. And it's funny, when we first got Barnaby, I was chattering to him non incessantly. I talked to him all the time. And finally, I realized it's because I, when I was, I was with a baby, you know, how you talk to a baby like, oh, look, there's yeah. a cat. Look, he's a yellow cat. Oh, will he come to us? No, he won't. Look at his fur. Isn't he pretty? You know, um, because you're just like trying to immerse them in language. And then finally I realized like, I don't have to talk to Barnaby because he's never going to talk back to me. Um, mm. But I like, I like just the silent company. Um, and it is that silence that it's, it's, there is no expectation of speaking and that adds to this sort of restorative quality to it. Yeah. Now listen, you know, talking about silence always reminds me of the Simon and Garfunkel song, The Sounds of Silence, which is actually like an extremely dark song. And we're talking about the happy element of, of, of uh, <laughs> the silence. But I, I do feel like it is kind of like the, the quintessential song of silence. So here, let's listen to a clip. People talking without speaking. People hearing without listening. People writing songs. Dark or not, I love that song. Uh, let us know if you feel the craving to seek out silence. And if so, how do you find your silence? Get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 78 for contact info, images, links related to this episode, or look up any other episode.
Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Now, Elizabeth, it's time for a happiness hack. And I got to say, I love when people are sending in their hacks. Like, I just feel like they're, they're, they're all so delicious. Um, so keep emailing, voicemailing, sending in your hacks. Um, but we thought this time we should talk about a happiness hack that mom and dad used on us as, when we were younger. Yes, they, mom and dad had this policy that once you and I were out of the house, that whenever we wanted to visit each other, they would pay for it. Yes. So, you know, the train, if I had to take the train to Connecticut or you took the train to New York or the bus or whatever, um, they would give us that money. And it's not a lot of money, but when you're 18 to 25, like $30 for a bus ticket is a lot of money. So it really encouraged us to see each other when maybe we would not have because we wouldn't have wanted to spend the money. Yeah, I mean, it's and I think it's one of those things where, you know, I talk about this in Better Than Before, like every little bit of convenience makes you more likely to do something. And when things, when you have to pay for things, they it seems harder and less convenient. And just by knowing kind of like, ooh, we get to do this for free, it really did on the margins tip us into visiting each other more, which I think really did help us stay in touch and be part of each other's lives. You know, when everybody's moving, you know, you were moving a lot. I was moving a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and um, this way we really saw each other much more often. And I, I thought that was a really brilliant idea that they had, that they just took that element out of it. Yeah. And it, they did it specifically just for that reason, so that we would see each other yes. and be close and not grow apart. Um, so... I think, you know, it's just a happiness hack you can use with your own kids um, that's not that expensive. Hopefully you're not having to buy a, you know, plane ticket to China. Then it could get pricey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or like if you had, if you were out on, if you were in California then, it would have been harder. But fortunately, yeah. we weren't that far from each other yeah. on the East Coast. So, yeah, uh, I love that hack. Yeah. And now, Alyssa, it's time for the question to know yourself better. And this, I love this question. Um and that is, do you feel kind of a greater pull towards work or a pull towards leisure? Like, what's your default pull? Mm. Because one of the things that I've noticed about myself is I feel this insistent pressure to work. And if I am not working, I feel this pull back to my desk. And um, in fact, in, in the Happiness Project and in Better Than Before, I talk about several habits that I've acquired to help me fight that pull. Like I have quitting time every day. I have a weekly afternoon adventure with Eliza. 
because otherwise my pull towards work um, can kind of overmaster me. Um, how about how about you? Which do you, which do you feel a pull toward? Uh, I think I'm pulled toward leisure, um, mm. Gretch, because I think it comes out of the fact that when I was in my early 30s, I worked really long hours and lots of weekends. I mean, probably almost every weekend. Um, and I just got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. And now I'm very protective of my nights and weekends. Mm. Uh, which is not to say that I don't still work sometimes, you know, at, at those times, but like, I'm very grouchy if I have to work on a Saturday. Um, and I don't, it's not like I just automatically want to work. Yeah. So I'm not, I, so I don't, I'm not like you. I don't, I'm not just pulled to my desk, you know, at, at, at any hour. Well, you know, I think this is a really good question, like in terms of a know yourself better, because you sort of have to know how to offset your weaknesses or like, or, or, or to make sure that your life is full of everything that you want. And I think for someone like me who's pulled towards work, I have to really work on my leisure. And maybe for someone like you who's pulled toward leisure, you need to make sure like, well, maybe I do need to work for three hours on Saturday to get, you know, get a grip on this or like, it's going to make my life so much easier next week if I do this thing today. Um, because I think sometimes people worry about fixing problems they don't have. Like for a long time, mm. I really worried about like, being more productive. And I'm like, actually, my oh my gosh, my <laughs> problem is, is to make I, I absolutely value time that's not, you know, when I'm not working. And that's the time that I need to protect. And so um, and I think for you, then you need to think like, okay, well, leisure is really valuable. So how do I make sure that leisure doesn't I don't I don't because often also you have so many pressures on you and de and deadlines and everything. I don't think you could you could be overwhelmed with leisure, but you could imagine someone where they would need to really say, like, I need to work these hours. Yeah. I can't let t leisure creep in too much. Well, was it, the one thing that I that does happen, though, because uh, you're right, I, I, I work a lot. So it's not really that's not really an issue. However, when I have hiatus, mm. that's a time when, for instance, you know, I could be writing a novel, let's say, <laughs> as we've discussed. And instead, I just while away those days kind of doing nothing. So I think it's during hiatus mm. is a time when. I could be aware of being pulled too much to leisure. I think during the year when, when I'm working, it's not an issue, but definitely on hiatus. Well, I think, again, it comes back to this thing of like why you want to know yourself better is that then you can mindfully shape the life that way you want it to be and like to have the right balance of work and leisure, depending on like whatever your particular nature is, like what you need to make sure you plug in. And so for you, right, you're like, OK, at this hiatus time, how do I... Maybe I want to just embrace leisure and take a total, have a complete time off, and that's what I'm mindfully deciding to do. Or maybe I want to set aside two hours a day to work on this project because that's what's going to make me happier in the long run. Um, and I think it's also know yourself better, but then also realize that other people might feel differently. Like maybe your spouse or your sweetheart or your coworker has a different default from you, and so you need to just keep that in mind in understanding how they approach the world because somebody who you know, is always like, uh, well, let's just work. Like for them, that could be totally natural. And you and someone else, I mean, you've had this experience, right? Where some people are like, let's just work all the time. It's like, oh, that's yeah. fun for us. Yeah. Well, um, the, I remember the first day of our first primetime job, one of the writers at the end of the day said, well, does anybody want to just stay late tonight, order dinner and keep working on this story? And of course, I was so exhausted because <laughs> I wasn't, you know, just used to the new job. 
And I was like, oh, my God. But, of course, we were like, yeah, we'd love to stay. <laughs> um, and that started the whole early 30s madness. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely, in my business, experienced people who just want to stay at work 24 hours a day. Yeah. So understand yourself, understand other people better, and then you can – everybody can just get along better. Yeah. Uh, now we have a listener question. This week, Gretchen, it's a caller. Um, before we hear what she has to say, uh, I want to remind everybody that you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. My name is Allison. I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. I'm calling because I recently lost my engagement ring that I have been wearing for seven years. I never take it off, and I just happened to notice one afternoon that it was not there. And I have frantically retraced my steps and searched my office, searched my home, trying to find this ring to no avail. And I'm surprised that how upset it made me because I usually am not sentimental about objects, but for this particular one, my husband had saved for years in graduate school to buy the spring, and like I said, I never take it off. So, unfortunately, my insurance on the ring lapsed while we moved to Florida, and not only that, um, but we are not in a financial situation to be able to replace it even, you know, if I wanted to do that at this time. So my question for you is, how do you bounce back from an experience like this that is totally unexpected with something that is not really replaceable in many ways? That is so rough. Oh, that is so tough. Yeah. I feel bad for her. I know you feel, t- I'm sure, you know, you'd feel terrible because you're, you know, you're, you don't know what happened. You're mad at yourself. Um, it's value, something valuable. So there's a loss of money. Um, but, you know, I think there is this, you know, it's a precious object, but there is this weird power of the ring. I remember when I got engaged. I was completely astonished by how strong my emotional reaction was just to the ring. Like, yeah. it really felt like a powerful symbolic object in a way I did not expect. Yeah, me too. I mean, although I've said I don't always wear my engagement ring, I've said it's my lucky, you know, my lucky talisman or whatever. And I um, I absolutely value it. You know, it's one of my most precious possessions for sure. Um, well, and I think that an engagement ring, too, because it feels symbolic, it maybe feels sort of inauspicious that something happened to it. And so that gives it an mm-hmm. ac- an extra, like, uh, weight. So if I were going to say, like, ideas to make yourself feel better, one is acknowledge why you feel bad. Like, you're not – that's not surprising that you would feel bad. That's that's an unhappy thing to happen. Right. Learn from it. Um, but here it's like it just fell off. It wasn't even like she was – being careless with it, Put yeah, it yeah, down yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then also to remind herself, you know, we've all done it. We've all lost important things. Mm. Like many people have lost their rings. Mm-hmm. This is something that you hear about frequently. All of us have had this experience, so not to blame yourself too much. 
And then also I wonder if she'd feel better, like, because there is the symbolic value of the ring. She, she says they're not in a financial position to replace it. But maybe they could choose an inexpensive ring together and say, this is the, this is the new ring. And replace it with something that has equal symbolic weight Mm -hmm. so that she has a ring on her finger again that is the replacement ring. It doesn't have to be the replacement, you know, monetary value, but that it feels like, you know, the one her husband had saved for for years and like she'd worn it for so long. So I feel like maybe she'd feel better if it was like, and here's the, we, you know, here's the ring now. And so that she sees it on her hand and feels like, this ring is also important. So it's not just like I've lost something irreplaceable. It's like, and now I have something that can't replace it, but can take that position in my life now. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, Adam Gretchen has lost his wedding ring at least two or three times. Um, now, men's wedding rings are not the same in terms of value as like a woman's engagement ring. Right. But I've just decided that it's kind of a fun part of the narrative of our marriage that he is always losing his ring because he takes it off in the writer's room and he spins it. That's how he loses it. <laughs> And um, we just keep replacing them with cheaper and cheaper rings. So um, he does not have a particularly nice wedding ring anymore. Because I just (laughs) am like, okay, well, this is going to be gone at some point. But then we'll go and pick out a new one. No, that's right. Reframe it, right? Like, hey, it's the seven-year ring. Or, you know, I mean, uh, yes, that's that's right. It's only symbolic if you give it symbolic weight. So that's another thing is to just be like, well, you know, now we're on to the next one. Uh, so uh, so I hope that's helpful for Allison because I, I can see like it's, it's not just losing things. You feel like you're sort of out of control. I feel like there's something distressing about anytime there's something important that you can't put your hands on. It's kind of maddening. Um, so I hope that's helpful to her. And you know what? She probably feels bad about her husband. So, you yes. know, th- that, that it's like he's going to get a message that she didn't value it or something, which is so clearly not true. Um, so maybe play him this part of the podcast and he'll hear how much (laughs) you care about him and and the ring. Yes. Yes. Great advice. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars. You're up with a happiness demerit. Now this is kind of a demerit, but I kind of like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light demerit. Um, and it's related to my summer plan. Um, so we had the whole discussion about design your summer, and I had my whole elaborate design your summer plan, mm-hmm. which in many ways has worked out amazing. I've loved having lunches with friends. It's like totally transformative. I've been working on my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, which is completely fun. Um, but I did say that I was going to spend two hours reading um, from my four select authors mm. every morning, and I was really excited about it, and I started it. But here's the demerit. I bailed on that. Mm. And the reason that I did is I realized the Going out to lunch and reading were both taking a lot of time out of my day. And I just, it was very bad planning on my part to have both of those things happening simultaneously. I wanted to like have my summer feel very different from my winter, but that was too many hours out of my work. I just couldn't sustain it. Right. And a listener pointed this out, like going out to lunch every day takes a lot of time. It just does. Um, and so I, I, I couldn't do both. Um, so I wish that I had not made those both simultaneously because I've had to bag that part of design my summer. Yes. Yeah, so next summer, you'll know not to schedule too yes. much. You'll you'll be a little yes. bit more uh, conservative with what you plan. 
Yeah, because I think about design your summer or design your winter. Somebody pointed out, like, you could design your winter. Ah. Yes. It's just like if you want a specific part of your year to stand out, it's to be realistic. Because if you make all these grandiose plans, then you can't follow through. And then that's kind of discouraging. And I was just not realistic about I didn't think it through in terms of plus I was writing this other little book. I mean, it was everything took a lot of time. And I wasn't realistic about the fact that I still had all my normal work to do. Right, right. Um, plus, it's summer. Right. You know? Um, so, and it, yeah, that's, that's yeah. I didn't want to be working like five times as hard. Yeah. That would be my summer. Um, so that's my demerit. So what's the gold star? What's your gold star for this week? My gold star this week is, uh, well, I think maybe I'll give it to my sister-in-law, Michelle, who's an artist, uh, because she prompted us to buy a piece of art. Gretch, you know that for as long as I have lived... <laughs> I've had like nothing on the walls. Um, <laughs> and aside from like those few things I've managed to get framed through Framebridge, <laughs> I am just horrible at uh, getting art together and getting stuff on the walls. And part of, you know, again, redoing our house is changing that and getting stuff up on the walls. And Michelle told us um, about an artist she thought we would like and suggested that, you know, we look at the, some stuff he had and buy a piece. And we she prompted us to actually do it. So we did it and we bought a piece of art and it's on our wall now. Um, and I love it. Um, and it's very California, which I also love because as you know, I've recently declared myself a Californian after spending five weeks in New York, I realized like, oh, I don't want to move back to New York as much as I love it. I love living in Los Angeles. This is my home. Um, and so I'm just very happy to have this declaration of being a Californian and having something on the wall. And hopefully there will be more to come. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Seek out silence. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review. Plus, if you'd like to get my newsletter that has highlights from the blog, the podcast, Facebook, and other fun stuff, you can just text me, 66866, and in the message box, write happier. You'll get a text back that asks you for your email address. Type that in as your answer, and you'll get a confirmation, and you will be signed up for my newsletter. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Upward.